0: In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, you're welcome to turn your Bibles there. I wanna encourage you with this thought because it's so easy to get a bad attitude by the world in which we live, but it's also just as easy to flip the script and be thankful in him and bless his name. It tells us how. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, is there any virtue in them? Or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. God wants you to have happiness, but you've got to have the right attitude in it so you can have joy and happiness, not as the world gives it, but as God would show his people how they can live in it. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. We're trusting in you to meet every single need in our lives, Lord. And we're focusing on what you're doing right, not what's going wrong. So we're choosing today to be happy. We're choosing to be blessed, supremely blessed of God. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. Amen. You could be seated. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause? Uh, we 're so glad to have you here. Thank you for coming. You could have been in a lot of places we 're honored that you 're here. We pray for you each and every day. I want you to pray for us this week we 've been asked a great honor for those of you that are uh, aware we 're a part of Kufi, which is Christians United for Israel and Last week, when uh, Jerusalem was recognized as the u s capital, it was a monumental time. In our world, but it was also a monumental time for Kufi, our our ministry that we've been involved in for so many years. It's been uh, a great privilege to be on staff there and serve uh, our mentor there, the founder, Pastor John Hagee. He did the the invocation, the ending. If you watched it online, uh, to to dedicate the Jerusalem being in the or in the embassy being in Jerusalem, and I turned to Jennifer and I said man, what a dream come true for pastor. Uh, our hearts were just filled with joy. And I turned to Jennifer and I said, you know what? Him and I are a lot alike because I'm going to do the invocation for the state of the city. Just two different levels, but one's for the world and one's for the city. But I said that to say, uh, pray for us this week as we've been asked to, to do the state of the city address uh, for Stockton, California, because of our work in the community of what we're doing to reach and help people. So... That's happening Wednesday and Thursday, and we're honored to be a part of that because of the City Center. I'm looking forward to our nights there because for those of you that uh, are new with us, the City Center last week alone had over 2,200 people come through the facility in six days. And in the 2,200 people, we're dealing with teenagers, adults, and lots of people, and we're dealing with them physically. We deal with them weekly on a emotional level, emotionally, but come June 13th, every single week, we're going to deal, deal with them spiritually and give them an inspirational service for the Lord each and every week. So we need you to be a part of it. We need ushers and greeters and smilers and, and helping people because you need to be a part of that phenomenal uh, services over there, but also the ministry over there. Is, it's just fantastic. So it's also for all ages. So think about this because happiness when it comes to the world standards and God's standards are two different things. There are, they are not the same. Now think about this. There are two different words for happiness. The happiness that we know in the English language comes from the word hap, where we get happenstance. So if you're dealing with happiness on a level on the world stage, you're dealing with happenstance. So it's based upon what happens to you. So if you are a happy person because of happenstance, you will not be happy long because your happiness is based upon chance or what happens to you. So therefore, you cannot have long happiness or, or lasting happiness because happiness is based upon chance. That's the English translation for happiness. But the Greek word for happiness is makarios, and it means to be supremely blessed of God. That's what this message series on Why Aren't You Happy has been about. Makarios, the supreme blessing of God. That's in Matthew chapter five, the Beatitudes. That's what Jesus said. You can be happy, blessed, Makarios, supremely blessed of God. Those seven Beatitudes show you and I how to have happiness that's ongoing, not in spite of, but because of. That's important because when we have the supremely blessing of God, we can be happy at all times. Unfortunately, in the English, we only have one word for it. That's why the Greek language is such an exact language. And that's why I believe that God allowed Alexander the Great to conquer the world because the Bible would be written in the Greek language. Now, for instance, when you say in English, I love you, what does that mean? There's, it just can mean so many different things, especially if you get a little churchy, you love everybody, which means you don't love anybody. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. You don't even know him, but yet you're, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I get it. I, you know, that's what we're to do, but that's because it's singular. It's in English. I love you. But when you say it in the Greek language, do you know when you say that same word in the Greek language, it has eight different meanings. Therefore, it can mean I like you when you say I love you. I kind of like you. We're friends. We're really good friends. Or you have that type of love that I'd like to marry you. There's difference between those statements. But see how important the Greek language is. There's a lot of difference. So when you're saying in happiness in English, it's not ju- it's not there. We're talking about the supreme blessing of God through the fire, through the storm, and through the flood. And the Bible has a lot to say how you have that supreme blessingness of God. It starts right here in the mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so Is he? That means the battle that is raging, it's beginning in the mind. You're beginning to realize there's a fight going on between light and a fight in darkness. The battle for the mind. It's important because we're told not to be conformed with the patterns of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of that mind. So how do you renew your mind? You renew your mind by refreshing it and washing it by the word of Almighty God. That's why the scriptures tell us in our text this morning, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are true, honest, just think upon these things. But many people, they have a mind like concrete. What do you mean? It's firmly set, thoroughly mixed up. Some of you realize you have people in your life like that. It's it's always thinking of what's wrong. Many of God's children suffer from that. It's thinking thinking. Everything's going wrong because you're focused on the wrong thing. So they have stinking thinking, hopes and dreams. Things are not going their way. Nothing's ever good with marriage, family, friends in the life. And someone's always raining on your parade. Is that describe you? Then you got a bad attitude because attitude is an inward feeling that's expressed by our behavior. That's the attitude, an inward feeling expressed by our behavior. Therefore, I can tell you what attitude you have before you open your mouth because of behavior. When you go home and the dog hides from you, you don't have to be a linguist to know you got a bad attitude. It's true. It's true. The wife said to her husband, she says, well, I'm not a grouch. I've just been in a bad mood for the last 20 years. You know what? She's got a bad attitude. What is an attitude? An attitude is the advanced man of our true selves. The roots are hidden down deep, but the fruit of it is always visible. Your attitude will draw people to you or it will repel people from you. Think about that for a moment. It's never content attitude until it's expressed. And when it's expressed, it's going to bear fruit. And sometimes it's real, real stinky. Our attitude determines our success or it determines our failure. There's a song that's sung that says there's no victory without a fight. But some people don't like that fight theme. But God tells us to put on the armor of God. Do not be a wimp, but be a warrior to suit up and get ready for the fight. He says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is no victory without that fight. There is no dawning without that night. There is no purchase without a cost. And there is no crown without across. Now think about that because I assure you, if you don't resist the devil, he is not going to flee from you and your attitude will embrace that faith or it wallows in doubt. Our attitude, it literally celebrates victory or it starts swimming in what I would call self-pity. And that's why the attitude that we have determines our achievement. Now let's consider for this day, Two people that I'm going to share with you about. Two people. One is named the Apostle Paul, and the other is the disciple. His name is Thomas. The Apostle Paul, after being beaten, after being stoned, that's with not with drugs, by the way, but with rocks, because this is California. He was stoned after being shipwrecked, bitten by a deadly viper, rejected, put in prison, and hated. The Apostle Paul said, quote, These light afflictions are not worthy to be compared with the joy of the reward that God has for those that love him. We are more than conquerors, he said on another occasion, than Christ the Lord. He says nothing's impossible to them that believe. And he said the victory's ours through Christ the Lord. After all that he went through, he said that. Now consider doubting Thomas, who had the most perfect pastor on all the planet. His name was Jesus Christ. He had a pastor named Jesus for my Hispanic brothers, Jesus, for three and a half years from one parade of miracles to another, from the turning the water into wine at Canaan all the way through the raising of the dead. Think about that. And here's what he says. Doubting Thomas, who was never beaten, he was never stoned, that's with rocks, he was never put in prison, he whined and he said, unless I can touch the holes in his hand, I'm not going to believe. Doesn't that just sound like a whiner? That's that's my whiny voice. That's the best I can muster up. Now, which one of those two are you? Are you ready to take on a fight? Because you need to get ready by using a good attitude and stop confessing the wrong things. In other words, you have to stop confessing I can't and start saying I can through Christ the Lord. I can because Christ said I can. You need to stop saying if if and start saying, I will through the grace of almighty God, because God's will will never take you where his grace will not keep you. God's will will never take you where his grace will not keep you. You need to stop confessing. It is impossible. My Bible says nothing's impossible to those who believe and are called to the purposes of God. And people say, well, yeah, Joey, that's good. But I don't know the right people. You know God the Father. You know the Son, Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. That's enough. The Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That resurrection power lives on the inside. And maybe perhaps this morning, I've come today to just stir up that gift that's on the inside of you. That resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, it lives on the inside of every one of you. That means you have power over death. You have power over disease you have power over principalities and darkness you may not feel that power but he lives on the inside of you that means you can bind it you can loose it whatever you say to the mountain be removed it shall be done you have resurrection power use it in Jesus name and then people say yeah but I'm no expert in anything Joey I'm just I'm just not an expert can I tell you the experts are not always right Do you know the Titanic was built by experts and the ark was built by volunteers? Which boat would you rather be on? I'm talking about you don't have to be. You ever notice that people who who think they're experts, they always say something. They say, but I'm no expert. But they really think they are an expert. Am I the only one that thinks that? But hey, I'm no expert. I'm um, really beyond your intellect and my humor. But I'll keep moving because I think I'm a lot more funnier than you're laughing. But it's fine. It's cool. Now think about this. You don't have to be an expert to do something intelligent. You do not. As a matter of fact, people say, Well, yeah, Joey, I think that's good. I think you're funny and I think you're handsome. But you know, I'm just not qualified. I'm just kind of too old and I'm not smart enough, or I'm not skilled enough, or I've come with too much baggage in my past, or or maybe I'm just not where I need to be. You need to analyze the conversation that you're having with yourself. Analyze the conversation you're having with God. It says nothing's impossible to them that believe. The scriptures say, Count it all joy for those who come into trials of life. And people say, well, Joey, you don't know the troubles I'm going through. You're right. But I want you to know that trouble does not mean that God doesn't love you. Trouble just means that you're getting ready for your next breakthrough. Trouble just simply starts to do something. When you get into trouble, it starts to strengthen you because if you've ever made any major decisions in life, it's because you've been in trouble because when you get into trouble, you start analyzing, you start focusing because trouble begins to strengthen you. Trouble begins to give you that fortitude factor. Trouble forces you to improve. Trouble reminds us that we are mortal and it forces us to trust in a living God, trouble forces us to pray because you realize that you can't lead on on your own understanding, but you've got to acknowledge him so your path can be directed. What brings that to pass? It's trouble. T-R-O-U-B-L-E, trouble. When you get into trouble, you realize that God is with you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you to the ends of the earth. I'll give you the best of things in the worst of time. Trouble brings that to pass. When you have the right attitude, you can walk through any valley and you know God is with you. How about the valley of the shadow of death? It's already been conquered. The valley of the shadow of death will not harm you. Why? Because a shadow of something cannot hurt you. How about a shadow of a lion? It cannot bite you. How about a shadow of a sword? It cannot cut you. How about a shadow of a scorpion? It cannot bite you. Death because of Calvary has been reduced to such a harmless shadow. You have power. You are victorious because of what Jesus did for you at Calvary. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. The best days are ahead because he's reduced it down to nothing. In these times in which we live, It's so easy to focus on the trials, the drama, the the problems. And if we're not careful, we'll talk our way out of a blessing. We'll talk our way out of our own miracle. We'll we'll not give our way out of, of the financial difficulty because we hold on when God says, let go and let me become everything I've called you to become. God wants us to delight ourselves in him, to trust in him. The God that we serve is El Shaddai. That means he's all Powerful. He is from everlasting to everlasting. Don't you know he calls himself Alpha and Omega for a reason? That means he's here in the beginning and he'll be here after the last call is fired. He is the great shepherd, the great I am. That's our God whom we trust today. He is the great physician. He is Emmanuel. Nothing he does is uh, nothing that he does is not without purpose. He's made you on purpose. He's called you for a purpose. You need to rejoice in your trial in your situation, get the good attitude of God and know fighting the good fight of faith is a good fight because it's a fight you win in Jesus' name. And people say, yeah, but Joey, I've done so many horrible things in my past. I just kind of, I can't get over that. I've done a lot of bad things. Can I give you one verse of scripture that will do more than 10 hours of counseling from a psychologist? It's found in the apostle Paul's writing, Philippians 3.13. He says, quote, forgetting those things which are past and reach toward what lies ahead, press toward the mark of the high calling of the prize that's in Christ the Lord. So you have to get to a place where you get this wonderful revelation of a supernatural decree, if you will. This is a supernatural charge that you have to learn to do. This statement will change your life forever if you get it on the inside. What I'm going to declare to you today, if you really live it, it will deliver, it will heal, it will restore, it will conquer, it will provide, it will anoint. Are you ready for these three words that will change? change it all and give you a new life and a new beginning. You're ready for them. Here it comes. Get over it. Have you been hurt? Get over it. Have you failed? Get over it. Have you been betrayed? Get over it. Have they lied about you? Get over it. Have you went through separation, divorce? Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. God is still on his throne and everything's going to be all right. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, I'm over it. How about you? Some of you say, I'm not over anything. I remember what happened back in 1972. No, no, man, just get over it. You know, it's impossible. Now think about this. It's impossible to estimate the number of jobs that have been lost. It's impossible to understand the promotions that have been missed. Marriages ruined, churches destroyed by people who were not willing to endure the fight who are not willing to keep going and have a good attitude. You know, life is like a wheelbarrow. You'll get nowhere in life until you start pushing. And when you start pushing, good things start happening. Why? Because faith without works is dead. The attitude turns the problems you have into profit. Because if what we're doing in life doesn't have resistance, then really what we're doing is not worth doing. When you go through life, you have to know it's the resistance of things that come against you that take you to where you need to go to. The result, without the resistance of air, a 747 cannot fly. Without the resistance of gravity, you and I cannot walk because it's been said that adversity is God's university. Adversity is really God's university. So what is the adversity that you've gone through or you're going through? How about Joseph in the Old Testament? He went through extreme hardship, extreme adversity as he was thrown into the pit by his own brothers. It's one thing for one brother not to like you, but when all 10 of them want to throw you into a pit and take you out, you've had a bad day. Not only was he thrown into the pit, when he was sent to Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tried to make moves on him, and he ran from her. And as a result, she had him thrown into the penitentiary. From the dungeon of a pure hell did the man become the prime minister of Egypt, the second most powerful man on the planet. But he came through adversity to get to his divine destiny. Why do people do what they do? They do what they do because they are who they are. Have you ever realized why people do what they do? And you say, why did they do that? Because that's who they are. That's the fruit of their life. But Joseph had something inside of him. He had an integrity. He rode the winds of adversity to his highest pinnacle of success. It was Moses who herded sheep on the backside of the wilderness for 40 years. It was Moses who was listed as public enemy number one in Egypt. His picture was blasted on the post office, public enemy number one. But it was God who sent him thundering back into Egypt, the place of his absolute defeat. God put him to the place of adversity and Moses rolls into Pharaoh's court and says, let my people, go. The point is God uses no one until you get into the university of adversity and you become a warrior for the kingdom of God. But if all you want to do is whine and suck your thumb and do nothing for the cause of Jesus Christ, you'll go around the mountain one more time. But I'm not looking at wimps. I'm not talking to whiners. I'm talking to believers and not doubters, warriors for the kingdom of God. I read this true story of this small businessman who had a clothing store and this clothing store was a small startup business, but he was threatened by one of those national stores that was trying to buy him out and began to come on his block. And they began to buy all the property next to this small little businessman in his store. But this big commercial entity wanted to buy him out, but he refused to sell. He refused to be intimidated. He refused to surrender his dream. The megacorporation said, if you don't sell this portion of your property right there in the middle, we're going to build around you and we are going to drive you out of business. He says, I'm not going to sell. The megacorporation, true to its threat, built a massive store surrounding this small merchant store. It stretched from one side of the block to the other side of the block, and right in the middle was this tiny little store. Right in the middle... Was this little bitty store? The mega corporation put up huge signs on one end of the block to the other end of the block. One side it said grand, the other side it said opening. But the little business store owner, he refused to give in, he refused to quit. So, right in the middle of his little store, it said main entrance. Grand. Opening main entrance. Some of you get it on the way home, but it's true. Because what happens is when you have a right attitude, it breeds confidence. It breeds confidence in you. When Goliath stepped up to take on Israel, 40,000 Israeli soldiers looked at this massive man and said, he's so big, we can't kill him. David looked at the same massive amount of a man and said, he is so big, I can't miss him. Two different perspectives, but seeing the same thing. It reminds me of the story of the two shoe salesmen who was trying to sell shoes on on an island. So the first shoe salesman went to the island and he realized that nobody on the island wore shoes. Nobody wore shoes on the island. So he called back to the home office and said, going to return tomorrow. Nobody on the island wears shoes. The same salesman went back home, but the new salesman came to the same island. He called back to the corporate office and he said these words, send every shoe we have in the warehouse. I've never seen so much opportunity here. Two different perspectives, but seeing the same thing. What do you see when you see adversity, when you see trouble? The test of fortitude is saying, what does it take to make me stop? When God puts you in adversity, he wants to know, do you have the grit factor to go through it or just sit down and give up on your life? It's the story of the Missouri mule that fell into the deep pit. And when he fell into the deep pit, the farmer who was cruel knew that this mule was old and it would cost way too much to dig him out of that pit. So the old cruel farmer, he decided instead just to bury that mule. The farmer began to throw his trash on top of that fateful mule and the mule shook it off, stomped on it, packed it and stood a little bit higher. Day after day, the farmer threw his trash on him and the mule just shook it off, stomped on it and stood a little higher. The farmer, discouraged with his progress, got his friends and they started to throw on trash on top of that mule. But he just shook it off. He shook it off, stomped on it and stood a little higher. How many of you have had people throw their trash on you? Maybe you've had many people throw their trash on you at the same time day after day, the farmer threw that trash on that mule, but he just shook it off, stomped on it, and rose a little higher. Finally, the day came when they threw one load of trash too many, and the mule stomped on it, shook it off, and rose out of that pit to his divine destiny. I'm saying to you today, sooner or later, people are going to throw their trash on you. It may be a a lot of trash thrown on you. The answer is you shake it off. You stomp on it. Use it as an elevator to get you to your divine destiny. You cannot be defeated. You will not be defeated. Count it all joy for those who come into trial and tribulation. Think about that the next time you think people have come against you. So what would it take today, friends, to get you to fail? What would it take, I should say, to get you to quit? What would it take Because if you're really going to make it, you've got to refuse. Everybody say refuse. Refuse. You've got to refuse to play the blame game. You have to refuse. How many people do you know? Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about people that you know, which means I'm talking about you. How many of you play the blame game? How many people do you know going through life, blaming their life on somebody else? Until you and I take responsibility for who we are and whose we are, we will never rise to become the person God intended us to be. It reminds me, this last week was May 18th, where I gave my life to the Lord in 1997. And I've never been to church in my life. I wasn't raised in church. I've never pastored before. I wasn't part of an organized church before. And I gave my life to Christ in 1997. And so I've come out of a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of rejection, a lot of abuse. I was on my own since I was 11. So I was new in Christ. And I, my father was alive back at this time. And I just I started rehashing my upbringing. And, you know, I, have, you ever, have you ever thought about some negative things and you had a real mad thing going on real quick? Am I the only one? So I was rehashing my upbringing. And at this time, my, my girls were real little, and I, was, and I was literally saying out loud, man, he ain't even a granddad to these kids. He don't even care. He doesn't even care. He doesn't care about this. How, that's why I'm messed up. That's why I have problems. And I'm, 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 that's why I, I have issues. And I'm going over and over. I have my real mad going on. And you know what I was going to do? I was going to make a meeting with him and tell him how I felt about him. And this time, I'm a Christian. He had given his life to the Lord. And I really felt deep down in my heart, the Lord spoke something to me, just real deep down here. What good would that do? What good would that do? And I started to have that conversation with the Lord. Will it do good for me. And I really felt God say, yeah, but what about your dad? So it wouldn't do good for him. And I really had to get to a place not to blame him, but really to understand him. And when I understood his upbringing, how he had a horrible upbringing because of his father and how he could not give what wasn't given to him, that he he did the best he could with what was given to him, I realized I had to sit in his shoes. And realize we can't give what we don't have and we can't play the blame game there are really two types of people in this room those who make good and those who make excuses which one are you look at the excuses that Jesus could have made if you just step back and think about it Jesus could have came to this earth with much excuses I'm born in a minority of people, the Jewish people. Do you know the Jewish race, even today, does not even rec- represent a single digit on the population on the Earth scale. He was in a minority of people, the Jewish people. He had a scandalous birth. There are people that are going to his mama's church, counting the months on their hands. Those This doesn't add up. He says, she says he's divine, but they just didn't believe it. The government said he's too dangerous to live. The church says he's a heretic. He's a drunkard. He's a demonized madman. What was his reaction to all that? He didn't find himself a pity pot and wine and say, my ministry is being destroyed because of my upbringing. No, he said, be of good cheer. I've overcame the world. Be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Then we come to the words of James. He says, count it all joy. Press on. Step on the trash. Step over it. Those that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Therefore, I say to every one of you in Jesus' name, press on. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. You are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You have power. You have ability. Let go and let God. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming yourself. Stop blaming your career because you didn't get this or didn't get that. Stop blaming the separation on somebody else because when you blame someone, you always separate yourself from the answer. Always. When we blame ourselves, I've learned this, we multiply our guilt. Our guilt turns into condemnation. And then when people who are Christians start blaming God, and that happens all the time, when immature believers don't get their way they blame God but what happens when we do that we cut ourselves off from the only source of power that can truly help us when we blame ourselves we just extend the difficulty because blame never affirms it only assaults you ever notice that blame never restores it only wounds Blame never solves anything. It complicates everything. Blame never unites. It only separates. Blame never smiles. The face of blame is always a sad emoji. Blame never forgives. It bitterly remembers. Blame never builds. Blame only destroys. Who are you blaming in your life? Who are you blaming for the crisis you're going through? Let's start looking today for the solution. The solution is found in one. His name is Jesus, he is Christ our Lord. He can bring to you supernatural blessings that can give you joy and happiness that this world cannot give, so therefore it cannot take away. No matter what you're going through, when Christ is the center of your life, it will be well with you because his joy is unspeakable and full of glory. He gives to you happiness. The happiness of this world cannot give it, and the happiness of the world that cannot take it away. All of you in this room are amazing people. Maybe except a couple. But you're all amazing, capable, competent people, qualified people. But you're destroying the quality of your life because of your negative thought life. This is learned. This is learned. You're rejecting the peace of God and the ability of God to give you a divine supernatural breakthrough.